Welcome to episode number 83 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson and Fairway Jay as we break down all the big bets, all the big news, everything going on in this crazy gambling industry of ours, sports betting, DFS, poker, anything you can gamble on, we will talk about here on this podcast. Of course, as always, we're available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google, so please go in, subscribe, rate, review. We really, really do appreciate that and helps other people find this podcast. So uh, appreciate all you guys that have done that already. And if you haven't, please make your way over there and do that for us. Find us on the Twitter at the lines us at PlayPicks us. We will talk about some stories coming out about some big parlays and stuff and kind of figure out if this is good or not for basically not only, not only betting in general, but just for the growth of the industry, we'll talk about some of these niche things that are growing in, you know, that maybe could become betting events down the line here. Talk about the MVP race and how things are going there. And of course, we'll look ahead to week 12. But before we do that, let's go ahead and start here with some really big news that came about last night, Brett. This was I got tipped off just about an hour before this news was going to break that there was going to be an announcement, but didn't give me exactly what the announcement was going to be. But uh, some pretty big news that doesn't necessarily affect the rest of the country as much as it does Nevada, but uh, big news nonetheless. Yeah, well, it, you were I mean, you were the guy who kind of broke the news in our in our chat. Why don't you tell why don't you tell us what happened? Yeah, How did this I, all come about. Yeah, I mean, it was um, so William Hill. You guys obviously know William Hill. They are located in several states across the U.S. And of course, a big bookmaker overseas. They went ahead and purchased uh, CG Technology, which is a sportsbook operator here in Nevada. They have had a kind of a checkered past, Jay. I think you could say at best been fined by the Nevada Gaming Commission on several occasions. Almost actually got the death penalty this last time that they had to go forth in front of the Gaming Commission for allowing people to bet mobily out of state, which of course is a big, big no-no. And so uh, somehow they did continue to survive and um, but that being said, I'm sure you've heard the rumors as well over the years. Basically, they've been for sale in perpetuity. It's this isn't like William Hill scooped in and and decided to to buy them out. I, I from what I've heard, CG has kind of been on the market for several years if you were able to meet whatever the asking price was for them. Yes, the uh, CG Tech, you know, I've had their app and I've played at them and I haven't been pleased at times to see what they what's transpired um, with the fines they've taken in and some of their business dealings. But this is a good take for William Hill. The sportsbooks themselves are really well done. Um, and certainly from what William Hill has from a sportsbook presence, these are a, an upgrade to some of their product. I saw I, I'm on distribution list, so I, I get the announcements and saw the uh, press release that William Hill was taking over. And um, again, I think CG Tech, because of their checkered history, as you mentioned, and some of their issues going, we knew that there would probably come a time when it was takeover. I always thought William Hill might be someone that would be in contention and consideration for that. And now with their El Dorado purchase, they're really expanding and growing. And this gives William Hill a real presence on the strip with some of the properties um, from the Palazzo to the Cosmopolitan. They're just off it at the Palms. You got the Tropicana. And of course, the Venetian is a special book there in the prime spot. So Good, good take for William Hill, and um, I don't know where uh, CG Tech goes from here with the rest, but those are those are desired properties and desired sports books to have, certainly. 
You know, Brett, this is a, when you kind of look at this and you wonder, like, you know, why would they go ahead and do this? I mean, I guess if you're William Hill and you do still have your sights set on expanding across the country. And one, I think William Hill just really does. And, and uh, Adam Candy actually kind of commented on this with, with me last night as well was, you know, William Hill, I do think values just the retail experience of sports books. I think that's something that they are very big on. And we can kind of see that with even some of the deals that they've made in some of the other states as well. But also, I think as you kind of set your sights on some of these other states, I think having some of these marquee properties under your belt certainly can't hurt whenever you're going in and pitching yourself and trying to, you know, get in on some of these other places and become the official, you know, provider for whatever it might be, racetrack XYZ or, you know, uh, card room XYZ. I mean, we never know how these deals are going to work out in some of these other states that don't have laws on the books as we currently sit. And, you know, instead of saying that we're in Arizona, Charlie's and Hooters, you can now say that you're in, you know, the Cosmo, the Venetian the palms and, and stuff like that. And that certainly probably has to help your case. I would imagine with, uh, with some of these dealings. Yeah, definitely. And that's kind of what we were talking about yesterday is we, we were trying to figure out why, you know, why they did this. And yeah, having, having the attachment to the Venetian and you know, the palms and the cosmopolitan are, is, is certainly going to help uh, your brand as well. So, I mean, you know, it gives you a little more, I, I, don't, I don't know what the word is, but I mean, you're going to have uh betters look at that and be like, all right, well, you know, they're, they're associated with these brands. And as they expand into new states, they're going to be more likely to maybe uh, work or, or, you know, bet with William Hill over some of these other brands. So just uh, the recognition part of it, I think is the biggest part of it. But, um, you know, also just having that more presence in Vegas is, is going to help yeah. them as well. Yeah. Brand awareness, Jay, I think is something we can probably look at here because with with the way William Hill was located, I mean, you and I live in the industry, so we're we're very familiar with William Hill. But, you know, if you're if you're just visitor visiting strip casino X, Y, Z that are like all located next to each other, you're not going to stumble across a William Hill book. I mean, they're they're located in a couple of places downtown. They're way down. You know, they're they're way, way down the strip at the Sahara, if you want to, you know, if, if people make their way all the way down there and then they're, you know, way, way south of town at the M. And it's so it's, you know, if you're just kind of like strip hopping, odds are you were never going to pop into a William Hill book. So they're not going to get your sign up. They're not going to get your app download. They're not going to get you, uh, you know, even having some recognition of them when you come back into town next time. So this does also give them that tourist kind of element to their business that I think that they were probably lacking. No question. And again, um, for our listeners that may not be as familiar with Las Vegas or as you come in and uh, wager on the games, William Hill has kind of they've got many locations to bet, but they're isolated and sometimes just smaller. You can walk into like, for example, next to Harris, you can walk into Casino Royale and you go to a bar. You actually go to a bar and there's a, one person sitting there. And sometimes you might have to wait in line on the busiest times much longer than you would at lo- other locations. So now they've got big sports books um, with, you know, many more screens and ideal seating situations and, and can take in more people. And again, back to the brand awareness, it's huge, I think, for them from a presence on the strip to be now in the Palazzo and the Venetian and some of the areas that get more traffic and see that brand and see that name and recognize it already. Um, they've already had a real convenience because you can go to various places across the state, not just in Las Vegas or Southern Nevada and pop in and out and make your bets. But as far as a physical uh, presence in a, in a sports book, that's 
much bigger and um, provides more screens and viewing and seating. I think this uh, certainly builds their awareness and brand, as you, as you said, and as they present themselves more, it's going to give them, um, I think, a, an even more powerful advantage moving forward. But I've, uh, I have correspond, like I said, with a lot with the William Hill people, and I, I, I saw this coming from them. We've seen it now with their branching out in Washington, D.C., into um, – with the with the, with the Washington Capitals and the, the basketball team, the Wizards and their expansion into an arena, and they're continuing to grow, and this will only help them continue in uh, Southern Nevada as well. Where's no mobile sign-up here, as we've complained about on this podcast several different times, but William Hill has the most interesting setup of them all, where they have cut deals with, there's a company here in Nevada called Golden Gaming, which owns a massive amount of taverns and pubs here, that are, you know, kind of sports centric. They got tons of screens and, and different things like that. And they're called PTs or Sierra Gold. And they're all over. I mean, you basically can't go a few miles in this city without running into one of those. Well, they cut a deal with them where you can go in and you can actually make deposits inside of all of the PTs. They actually cut deals with CVS's and 7-Elevens as well, Brett. So you can Huge. go in, you can go into 7-Eleven and uh, CVS's and actually make deposits into your William Hill account as well. So it's kind of the closest thing we have to being able to not have to physically walk into a casino here. I mean, it still makes more sense if you have to, if, if you would have to, if you could do it in your underwear or sitting on your couch. But you know, at least they have that going as well. And so, again, I think even with the locals. Uh, it's a pretty big deal for them because now people just visiting a restaurant or whatever in one of these bigger places might get exposed to the William Hill brand, sign up for an account. And then even if they do live out in the suburbs, you can still pop in a CVS or pop in a 7-Eleven or a or a PT's pub or whatever it might be and fund your account should you need to do that. Yeah, I, it's it seems ridiculous that people are walking into a 7-Eleven to make a deposit <laughs> on a sports betting site. But look, I mean, that's it's better than what it was before. Right. And we're trying to right. give people more better access to uh, these online apps and, you know, whatever, you know, whatever avenue we can is is is, is positive. I've talked to those guys. Apparently people do it a lot, Jay. True convenience. Yeah. There's no doubt. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, that's the thing is you don't have to now go whatever it is, fight traffic, get into the get into the larger properties. Potentially the, 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 the beauty of having those properties now is, I think, for viewing and the strip and when during some of the bigger and main events, they're going to have that presence as well. Um, but. William Hill is already, uh, they, they've upgraded certainly some of their sports books in the plaza and some other locations, but the convenience of just running in and out and certainly depositing or withdrawing with the 7-Eleven and, and the locations you mentioned, that's, I think, a real plus for them. Fix the laws, Nevada. Let's, I know. Let's go. Let's I know. Go. Get with the times. Seriously, at the end of the day, the, the real thing is just get with the times here. But uh, so, Brett, we talked about, you know, on this podcast several different times about the whole Mattress Mac thing. And it is certainly was an interesting and a fun story. But one of the things that we brought up was we can't wait to put a bow on this whenever it finally comes out to see what kind of impact specifically on a state like Mississippi that does not have mobile sports betting outside of the what they what we call Mississippi mobile which is you know you have to be in physically located inside the casino in order to use the app um we were particularly interested in seeing what kind of impact he would have on that state in general and we got our news on that yesterday 
Yeah, we were anticipating these numbers coming out because we wanted to see what kind of impact Mattress Mac had on these Mississippi numbers. And it was a huge month of October for the state sports betting handle jumped nearly 50% year over year to 48 million. Uh, and reportedly more than 6 million of that came from Mattress Mac betting on his Houston Astros to win the World Series. They did not win. And the books scooped all of those futures bets in total revenue soared more than 10 times year over year yes. to $12.3 million. So a great month uh, for Mississippi, even without Mattress Mac, it was a, it was a positive month uh, for them. Uh, I think handle and revenue would have been up anyway without him. So, uh, but still he had, he had a massive impact with his uh, more than $6 million in best just in Mississippi. I think it was more than $13 million spread across uh, three States, maybe more. Was yeah. it three States? Yeah. yeah. He, he got down here, he got down Jersey and he got down there in, uh, in, in Mississippi, the coast casinos. So the way Mississippi casino things, there's northern, central, and then there's coast casinos. So northern is up in Tunico. That's right kind of on the border there of Tennessee. So not very far from Memphis. Then there's central casinos that are kind of in like Natchez, Mississippi, whatever. So, so kind of more in the central part of the state. And then the big fancy casinos down on the coast are, you know, the Beau Rivage and some of these other casinos. The Scarlet Pearl, for example, is where... Mattress Mac went and at the DraftKings Sportsbook at the Scarlet Pearl put down, you know, as we're talking about, you know, six point two million dollars worth of bets here. The Coast Casinos took in ten point one million dollars worth of baseball bets. Six point two of those were Mattress Mac for the month. And they had a hold on Major League Baseball, fellas. Of a little bit over 63%. So, okay. so, so a baseball hold of the month of a little over 63%. So uh, I, needless to say, there will never be a month like the month of October of 2019 in the history of any casino ever for any sport in the history of the world other than if Mattress Mac tries to do this promotion again next yeah. year and the Astros make a run. I mean, yeah, just, well, that is, that just is, that nuts. Is true. Yeah, just and nuts. And what a promotion again for not just the industry in sports betting, but for the state of Mississippi and for them to be able to uh, for the casinos to have, be out and in, in vis- visibly have this kind of promotion for them and all the states down there that are trying to get sports betting. And if you're going to the areas, you're certainly going to go to Mississippi and you see it now. You see um, good, bad or indifferent, whether we just talk about the the big bets and those these kind of mattress max that step forward. But I think it's really good for the state of Mississippi as well, obviously. Some of the other numbers have come out. Of course, Pennsylvania really just a, in its infancy there as far as mobile sports betting going two hundred and forty one point two million dollars. That is up twenty four percent just just from last month, FanDuel had the big head start there and they took in 48.9% of the total handle in Pennsylvania. But Brett, we do have um, we do have DraftKings that just launched over there and we have Unibet that just launched in Pennsylvania as well. So there are other players coming into the market. But when you kind of see this trend for Pennsylvania and we consider how how little time they've had to really ramp up there you have to think that they are going to overtake New Jersey here at some point, especially if, uh, you know, and it'll, it'll be a, it'll be a landslide if, you know, New York ever gets their act together and gets mobile going up there. Yeah. We think PA will ultimately pass New Jersey, right? I mean, that's, that is expected given just the, the size of the States and the, the populations um, and PA just a more of a, 
sports state anyway. When is that going to happen? What, 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 like, what are we, what are we setting the line at here? Cause I mean, it, it is going to happen. It's, it's, I think it's only around half, like less than half right now of what New Jersey is month to month. Yeah. But maybe yeah. by next football season. Yeah. I think by next, we'll get there. Yeah. I mean, so let, let, let's kind of break it down. I mean, here's the, here's the deal. While they, while New Jersey is still drawing from New York city, they're now no longer drawing from Philadelphia, right? Like they're no right, longer yeah, drawing from Philly true. because there was a lot of people in Philly who were just popping over the border to go place bets in Jersey. Well, they don't have to do that anymore. And now with FanDuel and DraftKings in the state, if you already had an account with FanDuel and DraftKings across the border, then you're good to go, right? And so you, you're, you're all set and you don't have to leave your living room now. You certainly don't have to cross across the border over there to go place bets. And so they lost that, that big area of Philadelphia there as far as drawing in money so yeah I, i'm with you i think by by football season next year it's i think it's a very real possibility that that pennsylvania is kind of the lead dog when it comes to that area of the country yeah and that's huge and you know we, by then we might have some more states that are that are you know kind of pulling away from uh new jersey and, and some of these other you know northeast states as well so it'll be interesting to see i'm, I'm really curious to see what uh DraftKings does in PA for the month of November. We'll see what have. We'll definitely revisit that next month. And of course, in New Jersey, they just keep trucking along here. Four hundred eighty seven point nine million. That is a new record for the state. I think this is what really and, and Jay, we just we just got off of it about how important it is for mobile. And we really wish that, that Nevada would get with the times here. Mobile and online accounted for 85.5% of the $487.9 million handle there in New Jersey. I mean, you if you are a state, if you are trying to legalize something in your state and you do not look at these numbers and you do not take into account what it means to have mobile sign up and mobile register and uh, mobile funding, I just don't even know what to say to you. 487.9 million and 85.5% percent of that came from mobile and online that's huge and obviously but you know certainly there's some states still moving forward that um not only can't get the sports betting press but if you've got the tribe and the presence like in florida you're going to have trouble getting they're, they're you know they're putting the proposals through yeah. trying to get the mobile enacted but it's just it's not going to happen that the, the tribes have way too much political power and not likely to get through but the, for those states that are definitely in position now and have the have passed bills or are putting poor sports betting in place. Yeah. They should just look at this as the model and say, wow, this is the kind of revenue we can get in with the mobile and online platforms. And that's the, that's definitely the way to go. And hope if, if uh, they're really paying attention, then the neighboring New York should, uh, should be on this right. sooner than later. Cause they continue to just, you know, they're losing ground each month that goes by. West Virginia, 32 million in handle, Iowa, 46 million in handle. And Brett, I think this is the one that kind of pops off the page to me. Indiana coming in at 91 million in handle. Indiana just getting mobile sports betting the week of the first uh, the week one of the NFL season. So they are pretty new there as well. So yeah, as as everybody knows, we're entering week 12 of the NFL. So they've only had mobile sports betting for 11 weeks there in Indiana. 91 million in handle. I think Indiana is, is certainly if some of their bordering states don't get their act together and get things going. Cough, cough, Illinois up there. Yeah. Uh, Indiana has a chance to, you know, break kind of I mean, certainly looks like they're going to break that hundred million in handle number here. And maybe, you know, maybe even approach kind of that hundred and fifty million. Yeah, they're kind of by their self 
right there with the several states bordering Indiana. And then they pull from Chicago as well. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a big one. I, I would love to see uh, a number on the, you know, the amount of handle just comes from Chicago alone, people driving down to the border. Uh, but yeah, it, it, I'm not really surprising here to see Indiana uh, uh, ahead of Iowa and West Virginia, just because of the amount of people in the state and surrounding the state too. We talked a little bit last week real quick about California, how they had introduced a bill over in California for sports betting. Same thing in Florida this week. Florida came through with a bill that has little to no chance of passing. It does not include the Seminole tribe in the bill. And as we know, Brett, as we followed the kind of the DFS comings and goings down there, the Seminole tribe just has so much pull there in Florida. Every casino, if you, you guys have probably heard of these hard rock casinos down there. Well, what you you might not have known is they're all Seminole hard rock Tampa, Seminole hard rock Hollywood. They're, you know, the, the big thing is that the tribe is out in front of the branding there. And they're, they're actually really huge, big, nice casinos down there in Florida. But they hold so much power here. Can't imagine this is this is going to ever even approach getting uh getting across the finish line here whenever you look at how much uh whenever you look at how much pull that the tribes have down there yeah i think we're years away at least very similar to new york and california where there are just so many interests in a massive state the tribes of course and disney has also been fighting against this as well and we know the kind of power disney has so uh, you know, people are going to people are going to see this. Uh, there's a great story over at Legal Sports Report if, if you want to catch up on what's going on in Florida. But I, I do not see anything happening here. Same, same here. All right, let's get into some of the sports gambling news that was going on in the actual gambling part of everything outside of just the political part and whatnot. Brett, there was some parlay news that was really gotten got blown up by Darren Ravel. <laughs> if you guys are you know, you probably follow him on Twitter. You might hate follow him, actually. I mean, it's one of those things where you might hate follow him. Like, you don't really want to follow him because half of the stuff he he posts is just so goddamn ridiculous. But then you just follow, follow him. you still follow him anyway just to see what he's going to post next. And uh, he decided to take a real interest in a youngster who hit some parlays. Yeah, he found a new mattress Mac to follow around in the, the, the past week. This time it's a 23-year-old college kid from New York City who – uh, travels across the bridge and fires big parlays on his phone every weekend in New Jersey. And this kid has apparently had a nice little rush this month. Over the past three weeks, he's won four parlays for $672,000. Last, uh, last month he hit a, or early this month, he had an $1,800 15-leg parlay for 239000 and then this past weekend, which I mean, this is where the story really blew up. He had a seven thousand dollar thirteen leg parlay for three hundred thirty three thousand dollars. And of course, Ravel ran with this. It's got a lot of the stuff Ravel looks for in a story. It's got a big bet, big payout. It's got a young kid who seemingly got self rich off of this. The problem is, and I don't know this for sure, but this kid is almost certainly betting irresponsibly. And above his means. I mean, the, the parlay that he hit on Sunday has around like a 1% chance of hitting, which means if he's betting these parlays comfortably, he needs millions of dollars without putting himself at risk of going broke. And that part of the story is nowhere to be found in this article by Ravel because that's not sexy. And, and you know, by running the story, I feel like Darren Ravel is irresponsible in his reporting. And 
that's where this becomes dangerous. And that's why there has been a lot of blowback about this. Yeah, Jay. I mean, this is one of those things where, you know, I mean, the if you want, we talk about parlays and yeah, I mean, you know, more times than not, they're really bad bets. I think sometimes it's not the end of the world if you want to, you know, put together a two or three leg parlay or something like that. But I mean, certainly once you start putting together these ridiculous, huge, long strings and especially 13 and 15 leg and parlays like that. And, and now you're starting talking about guy betting four figures on these is up to up, up, up as high as $7,000 on this. And, you know, again, Brett, I guess we don't know. It doesn't seem like in the story it says anything about this kid's past. So I don't know. Maybe his maybe his dad's a hedge fund manager and he's worth, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. And I don't it's know possible. about it, you know, whatever. Sure. But uh, if so, that seems like that would have been some pretty good context to add to the story as well here. So I can only assume this is a kid that maybe won a little bit and started kind of pressing his luck. And, you know, Jay, Brett and I talked a little bit offline about this and wanted to get your take for sure. But, you know. I think when there's when there's glamorization of kind of this irresponsible betting, and I think we would say irresponsible just from the standpoint of that 99.9% of the betting public should never be betting not just $1,800 on a bet ever, but certainly never $1,800 on a parlay of any sort or whatever, and especially not $7,000 on a multi-leg parlay and all that. And so you, you're, you're kind of like glamorizing this, this, you know, big bet, big payout, um, life, you know, kind of like life changing type money situation when this is, this is literally, I mean, we might go, we might go another two years, three years without hearing of another $7,000 13-leg parlay hitting again. And so, I don't know. To me, it seems like we're putting across the wrong message as, as we're trying to grow sports betting across the country. Well, <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on so much of this. And, and much of it gets back to, obviously, clicks and reads and pulling um, viewing, viewers and and interest to some of the platforms that are putting out the stories, but there's no question that, um, you know, when I, when I saw the bets again and I see the huge money lines included and I see all the favorites included, you know, ask a sports book director, they're, they're not turning down these bets. They're not, they're not saying we don't want these. They really want them all day long because they're going to, in the end, come out ahead. And it's good that someone, I, I compliment, I get text the other day from a friend who sends me very similar parlays, um, much less money, um, wagering $20, $30 to, to win um, a little, a few hundred instead of getting 45 or 90 to one, he's getting payoffs 17. And these are not good bets in the long run. But from an entertainment standpoint and for, win, for a bet a little to win a lot, that's fine. And I, uh, I use a poker analogy a lot, having played cash quite a bit and but certainly tournament poker tournament poker is like winning an 18 parlay you gotta you gotta get through the mm -hmm. a bunch of landmines to get to the final table and a lot of it becomes luck and when when towards the end and and many of these parlays are set up that way and i whether it's irresponsible reporting or not i don't know i think there there's some good stories that can be had and it's good for the sports um, betting industry to see these but no question. I think you have to understand that these are these odds are stacked against you when you start making these kind of numbers in terms of parlays and eight teamers. But 
to put up that kind of money. He mentioned in the story, I think the kid that, you know, yeah, I, I was going to bet even more, but he also mentioned that he's, you know, had some losers in the parlays and those need to be brought to the attention because over the long term, you're going to have, you're, if, if you're just playing the parlays like this, you're going to struggle, you're going to lose. And hopefully if he's winning enough, he can be a little more disciplined in some of his plays and bets as well. Yeah, Brett, I guess my, my, my biggest kind of issue here is all people were, and we started the show with this. People were saying, like, well, yeah, y'all didn't have a problem, though, when, uh, you know, you're blowing up this Mattress Mac thing. But again, there was so much context involved with the Mattress Mac thing. Yeah, Mattress Mac was betting millions of dollars, but it was well known, one, that he was super rich, two, that he was doing it as a hedge. The guy was flying all over the place on his own private friggin' plane for crying out loud. I mean, like this is not a situation of uh, a young 20 something who's who's making these these type of bets. You know, I mean, this was the, the Mattress Max situation to me is completely different and not even comparable in a situation like this because we had the context of what was going on around the Mattress Max situation. Yeah, it's not the same thing at all. We know what Mattress Mac was. I mean, he was he was out there telling his story. I don't know what I don't know what this kid is doing. I mean, is this is this degenerate behavior? Does he actually have an edge on the books with these bets? I, I doubt it. Uh, and this this doesn't like everybody has their own bankroll that they're working with. I I can't imagine that this is just a entertainment thing for him. Nobody's betting seven thousand dollars on a fifteen leg parlay for entertainment. I don't care what your role is. I just, this just, this just feel, it feels wrong to glamorize it. Like right. you said, and that's, that's the problem I have with it. Yeah. Same because there, for, for every, you know, for every, you know, for this guy, there's how many guys who are out there losing and losing and losing because of bets like this. Right. And I just don't want people to think, I guess more than anything, I just don't want people to think that doing stuff like this is ever going to work out for them. You know, because like, it's just not, it's like, you're never going to, you, it, like Jay said, I, I am perfectly fine with somebody doing a $25 lottery ticket every week. I think yeah. that's kind of fun. I, you know, I've told you every single week I do like a YOLO teaser thing, you know, where I'll like, I'll do like 10 legs of a teaser or something. And just, you know, if it hits, it hits and all whatever. And it's, that is strictly not to make money. That is strictly for entertainment purposes for me. And I like being able to just kind of be like, oh, yeah, whatever. I'll put 50 bucks on this teaser and then, it, you know, it'll pay out 800 or something, you know, if, if it were to hit. But there is just no chance in, in the world that um, see even my dog is all upset about this, this whole thing right here. I mean, this <laughs> that ought to let everybody know uh, what's what's going on with this. But, yeah, I mean, look, it, it's it, I think for us, we understand working in media and Jay, you brought it up. I mean, we understand sometimes you have to put things out there to draw traffic and get clicks. And it, it certainly Ravel's job. That is what he is. He's basically a professional click getter at this point. But um, I still think with that and Brett, I think you would agree with that. I think there is at least a small amount of responsibility that needs to be that needs to be taken here, even if you are a professional click grabber. Yeah, especially now when we're it's in, we're in the early stages of this here in the U.S. There's so many people who don't understand how this works, and we'll get into that a little bit more here with our next topic. But um, yeah, it's just important to to in, just give the, the the full context of what's going on here because I feel like there were pieces of this story that were left out. All right, so let's talk about some of these other things here, these niche betting events, and curious as to you know what we kind of think about this just in general. And I think this could even be 
well, we'll set this up. Brett, let's go ahead and set this up with the topics that we have listed here. And then I think that this can be expanded even into some of the other things that people might be more familiar with. Yeah. So at the lines, we've been following politics betting and odds for close to a year now because, I mean, let's face it, politics has become something of a sporting event here in this new age. And we've been looking at the odds of a Donald Trump impeachment this week as well while the hearings are taking place because even if you can't bet on it and and you can't do that legally here in the U.S., but it's still fascinating to see how betting markets are moving in Europe on these markets based on what's happening in the news. And regardless of how you feel about Donald Trump, and we certainly won't touch on that in this podcast or anywhere on our sites, we only care about the betting side of it. I love it, though. I mean, the the Trump versus Hillary markets were captivating in 2016, and next year could be even better. So this is something that we are definitely following. And even though, you know, right now you can't bet on it here in the U.S., I think it's just it's worth it's just worth watching from afar to see how people are betting on this and what the books are doing with it, because it's I mean, this is all over the news and it's going to continue to grow here over the next year. So, Jay, we have in politics, they're doing, you know, like like game shows, for example, and and there's fantasy leagues around some of these reality shows and and things. I think even this extends like I was what I was talking about earlier was I think this extends even into kind of the esports realm where we're still looking at this kind of new emerging thing that's not a lot of prize money involved. Maybe there could be ways that things could be manipulated and whatnot. I am actually okay with taking bets on all of these things, but you just have to keep the limits to the point where no shenanigans could take place. And as long as the books are willing to do that, then I don't have a problem with it because people just want to like take a flyer on something that they think is fun or funny or that they're following anyway. So they want to be able to talk about it at the water cooler with their buddy that they've got a, you know, that they've got a ticket on this guy to get voted off a survivor or for this person to win the next election. Like that, that, that stuff's all fine with me as long as you cap it, you know, at a couple hundred bucks or something or whatever it might be, because what I don't want to happen is we, we, we make this okay and we legalize this stuff and then we make it so the the limits so big to where it actually becomes something that people would even entertain going and trying to manipulate some stuff for their own benefit through their through their bets. Yeah, I agree. I think the limits need to be kept in place. And I, I also think because of the liquidity of the market, you're going to, you know, you see these numbers and, and odds are going to move. I don't know what the impeachment odds were even three weeks ago on Trump, but I see he's now minus 300 uh, to be to, as the favor to be impeached. And, and if, for example, if your limits were 500 and you got a few $500 bets, you're going to move it a lot quicker because you don't have as much uh, handle going in on these. But uh, I, I, I'm okay as well with seeing these and the jeopardies and I think it's good for um, entertainment, certainly. Uh, we just talked about how is, are you going to see more of that out there than just for the visibility and maybe traffic and such. But I'm okay with it. I know in Nevada here we didn't have the ability to bet on off-field uh, action, I think, what, prior to 2017? You, I, I don't even think you could bid on, like, an MVP uh, in, in the NFL because it was it was being done by the voters. So now we're seeing – we slowly saw that transition into being able to bet on it. Limits are 
kept in line. Um, but I, I think some of that, as far as the expansion, uh, we certainly see that with some of the new sports books out in New Jersey as they're running different promotions and they're paying out early. We're going to get to some of that. But the, the, the ability to maybe have these uh, and allow them with certain limits expands their reach a little bit and uh, provides more entertainment as well. Brett, like you mentioned the, the, in here in the sheet, we have the, the Jeopardy tournament that's, you know, they're promoting and it's going to be like three of the greatest Jeopardy champions of all time going head to head on this. And they're not going to take betting on it because it, it's a taped event. And I think that's the same thing that happens with Survivor because it's a taped event and uh, whatnot. But I mean, you know, as you point out with the Jeopardy deal, I think. I mean, you could definitely take bets before they take, you know, before they tape it. I think that would be perfectly fine and don't see any reason why you wouldn't do that. And I think you can't just blanket the game show thing either, because I was point. This was pointed out to me. I'm not a big reality show dude. Um, I don't really watch any of those things, but there are people who are super into it. I guess the big brother thing actually does happen live. I guess like, you know, the voting off of people and all that actually does happen like live. Does, yeah. yeah and, and whatnot. So uh, there were people saying like, you can't just clump everything into the same pile because th- there's different functionalities of how these different things work and stuff. And I think if you just be smart about it all, this can be something that people should be able to go in and, and, and bet on and have fun. And, and maybe so long as the, you know, you're not going to get rich off of it. But like I said, if you want to be able to sit on a, on a, on a Thursday morning before the whatever the Emmys or Oscars or whatever the, the grand finale of friggin' big brother happens or something. You want to say like, you know what? I've got a, I've got 50 bucks on yada, yada, yada winning this whole thing. I don't, I don't see a problem with it. Absolutely. I agree. And I think the operators would love to be able to do it as well because it generates interest from a subset of potential betters that you wouldn't get normally. And you're also normalizing betting as part of a, as part of like your regular life. It'll help people understand how it works because they can attach it to something they care about. So I think it's, I think it's great. I would love to see this Jeopardy, you know, the greatest of all time tournament, see odds on that. Uh, Even though it is taped, like you said, put odds down, put odds, list odds now, and then remove them once you know, the show is being taped. So I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff that I think they could do if they were uh, smart about it. All right, I'm not going to start with Brett on this one because I know he has a strong opinion here. So I'll start with you, Jay. Lamar Jackson was paid out by PointsBet on any MVP futures that uh, any MVP future tickets that were out there. Now, PointsBet has done this on several occasions before. This is something that they it's nothing new to this company for them to come out and pay out some of these things early here. But here we are paying out an NFL MVP as we head into week 12 of the season, what do you think about all this? Do you care one way or the other? Um, yeah, I think, again, I, I, we've seen points, but to do this and my thought as well, initially when they started, it was certainly they don't have a lot of customers They're They've got to build their uh, base and they've got to offer certain promotions. And by paying out, they can then promote that, hey, we paid out early and X amount of players. I don't know if they're disclosing all the volume or the handle, but I think on this case they did um, that they've got certain amount of players that are being paid out um, early and that they're going to pay out any other uh, MVP winners if it was a player other than Jackson. But I'm, uh, I guess I keep getting back to you looking at Nevada. You don't see these kind of promotions and maybe we're going to see them moving forward and maybe it would be better for business and the competition, but for points bets, um, 
I think, again, it's back to them probably wanting some of the promotion, and they're saying they want to reward the players that took a chance on a long shot, like Lamar Jackson early in the season. We want to pay them out early, but um, I'm not a big proponent of it. I understand why they're doing it, and I think um, from a business standpoint and a marketing standpoint, if they can generate that for themselves, that's positive, but I'm not a big proponent of being able to do it, I guess. So, Brad, I know you're not a fan of this, and I guess we can start with saying here, I mean, we all know why they're doing it. We, you, you yeah. get, you're getting free, you're getting free headlines and free headlines to a book that, uh, you know, let's be frank, they're probably, you know, number four or five over there in the state of, of New Jersey. And they're, and they're, and they're way far down when it, when in comparison mm-hmm. to the other big books out there. So, you know, any pub is good pub, any free, anything is, is great. And so we, let, let's just at least preface it by saying we know why they're doing it. We do. And we've talked about that on this podcast many times, but I have, I still have several issues with this. Uh, first of all, once again, points, bet is the ultimate decider in, in all things sports and paying out futures based on really no actual reasoning other than what, like Lamar Jackson is the favorite right now. I mean, Russell Wilson was the favorite last week. Why didn't they pay out those futures? And what if Jackson, like what if Jackson gets hurt on Monday night football this week and falls behind Russ and Watson from MVP? Are they going to, are they going to pay those tickets out early? I mean, like, what are we doing here? This is completely arbitrary and it's not, it's not what sports betting is in the rest of the world. Like Jay mentioned Vegas. I've talked to people in Europe who are so confused by this. And I, I don't think it's going to be this way down the road either in the U.S. And, and it's important for new bettors here in the States to understand that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe points bet will keep this marketing strategy going as they expand into new states, uh, even though the, the, their liabilities works will expand with it. But I don't I don't see it happening and I don't love the precedent they're setting here. I just it's as I tweeted yesterday, it's just it's weird. <laughs> this so, whole thing is just it's weird. So the reason and you know me, I, I've been okay with with most of these going forward. This one, I guess the only thing for me that's just a little strange is just the timing of it all and the fact that you know so when they did the Alabama thing and they paid that, like Alabama was such a huge favorite at the time right. to win like a national championship. And like there were, you know, when they've done these other ones, it's always been on these just massive, massive favorites, like way late in the season. Well, you know, Lamar Jackson, let's be for real. Yeah. OK, he's moved into the betting favorite to win the MVP. But I mean, we're still there are still five weeks left in the NFL season here. And not only are there are five weeks left in the NFL season, but this is a guy whose playing style could could easily equal an injury and and could easily like I I don't know it's not like we're heading into week 16 or week 17 and they're doing this like it's week 12 like there's still a month and a half of of football to be played where you know things could go way way crazy and I mean you know Patrick Mahomes was the prohibitive favorite for the longest time and then he got hurt and what happened now now yes. he's, so I mean it's just I don't know it, just the timing and everything like that just seems odd to me yeah, the big play here is like it's is retention, right? You want people to, you know, to to like the product and come back. But what about the people who are holding Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson tickets? How do they feel about this? Like why are you paying out Lamar tickets when I'm sitting here with like a, a Russell Wilson ticket with virtually the same odds as Lamar Jackson? Like why why are you doing that? I I, I think, you know, I would certainly look at that like, you know, what what are you guys doing here? If, if, if I was in that position, I don't know. That's, that's how I feel about it. I, I don't love it. I've made that very clear on this podcast. Yeah. And every time I see it, I, I kind of cringe. 
part of the timing and the promotion of it as well as I was thinking and looking ahead was mentioning that next week's Thanksgiving and you've got some of the biggest bet games are going to be not only the NFL on Thanksgiving Day, but the college football the following week, the big rivalry games. You've got college basketball tournaments across the board. So they know uh, that's that true. there's a lot of betting uh, coming forward in the next 10 days. Some of the biggest bet days of the season really underrated from a, from a Friday standpoint and the Saturday games after Thanksgiving on how much activity and handle they'll get. And they're trying to capture probably some of that and get that exposure going into that. So the lead into that, I think, is part of this. And um, like you said, we've seen points bet do this before. And we don't really see, I don't know, maybe I, I miss it, but I don't see them, uh, the, the, the true numbers coming out. They're not disclosing maybe full disclosure on on uh, the total handle, maybe at times, and and the amount of bets and the people that have at what stages they're buying, and that's maybe where some of those other stories come out. But it, that's that's some of my thoughts on their promotion of it, this the timing of it. It could be the type of better they're they're trying to go after as well. I mean, this was Lauren Jackson was a long shot going into the season, so maybe they're trying to go yeah. get you know ref, pay out some of these guys who go after, you know, those long shots and those parlays, yeah, that yeah, type of thing. Exactly. So yeah, these are the things extra that, money in their account. Yeah, for, you know, yeah. So I don't know for Thanksgiving day, but uh, regardless, won't be the last time. So we'll, we'll probably talk about these. <laughs> we'll correct. probably talk about these more because it certainly won't be the last time. All right. So let's talk about something that uh, gets basically talked about uh, ad nauseum in sports betting Twitter. And you guys follow it. I follow it. And actually I was kind of the, uh, I kind of got in the middle of it a little bit this past weekend or something, but being, you know, quote unquote on the right side, quote unquote on the wrong side of, uh, of a betting line or of a bet or whatever it might be. And Jay, I don't know if you know this or not, but our friend Brett that is on this uh, podcast does cheat on us and he goes and does another podcast as well. So he is not exclusive to us. And as much as we love having Brett on this podcast, he goes and he moonlights with other people. And, uh, I just wanted you to know that. So, um, (laughs) Brett, Brett goes and moonlights on a podcast with other people. And I put out a tweet uh, after the Patriots game, and I said, another Pats cover, cash another ticket, let the people tell you that you are on the wrong side, smile and say you're probably right, then go buy yourself a nice steak and expensive bottle of wine while they rant about how unfair life is. And it was more of a tongue-in-cheek thing because, as you well know, like the the one thing about betting, the like the, the hashtag, you know, smart bettors and sharp bettors and, and betting Twitter is – no what they nobody loves to bet against the Patriots more than than like sports betting Twitter, right? Like they want to be the person who when the Patriots finally don't cover or when the Patriots lose that they can say, hey, I'm on the other side. I was on the other side. Told you, told you, told you so they love it so incredibly much. And so basically, I was just kind of throwing a little bit of a jab out there, but certainly not like, you know, any sort of uh, any sort of thing that I thought was was, you know, malicious or something like that or whatever. But um. I uh, I went ahead and um, I one of the guys that does the uh, the podcast with with Brad. I'm not going to mention his name. Well, just for this for this uh, for our purposes, we'll call him Captain Clown Shoes. And so so Captain Clown Shoes comes back <laughs> and um, and and tweets at me and said, "You were on the wrong side. Keep making the market better for the rest of us." And so you know so he goes out and says that or whatever. And I and and all I did was respond. I said, "Oh, wrong side." Please do tell because uh, I'm very interested. I'm, I'm all ears here. 
And, you know, then there was no, of course, there was no rational response because there was no response as to what is the right side, what is the wrong side. And all he just says is like, oh, I'm not going to educate you. You just keep making the market better for people like me or something or whatever. And so it just kind of went on and on from there. And then, you know, that's just uh, that's kind of how that all that's how that all just kind of plays out. But um, it's, it's very interesting to me, this whole right side, wrong side thing, because the very nature of a betting market is that at some point there is no right side or wrong side because it's gotten to a point where it's incredibly efficient. If there was a sharp side, then the sharps would continue to bet that side until it became no longer a sharp side. You know what I mean? I mean that's the that's the whole that's the whole nature of of a market, of an open market and of a betting market. And so I'm not betting numbers at at close very often, right? I mean, I got the Patriots at minus three and a half. That thing closed at five and a half, six at, at, at places. And so um, was I on the right side? Was I on the wrong side? Was I on the whatever? I mean, uh, to me, a lot of times, I think this whole right side, wrong side thing is people just getting their feelings hurt whenever they lose a bet that they that they thought that they were uh, fairly confident in. I just don't, I don't understand this whole gigantic thing about wanting to point the finger and saying that people are right and wrong. I agree with the, the, the pointing of the finger and the thoughts because um, there's so many opinions out there. And, the, and for those that are in the tout industry, they, you're always going to get criticized. And then for those that put out on Twitter, you're always at risk of people um, criticizing you for your thoughts. But the, the right side, wrong side argument, I think is a, is a better or a handicapper as you go back through the games you want to go back through box scores and look at and kind of see plays and, and you're trying to improve your your ability to then see value and numbers moving forward but right side or wrong side I, I, an example of that game the Patriots had less than 300 yards offense against the Eagles but Eagles had even less yards it, mo- many of the NFL games come down to a coin flip oftentimes in the fourth fourth quarter and you can then try to make the argument right side or wrong side but uh an example of a wrong side would have been in the super bowl where the patriots were favored and getting blown up by the falcons who built a huge lead if you had the patriots and they come back and cover miraculously that was a wrong side winner and you have to just suck it down if you had atlanta to me that you had a right side maybe you handicapped it and played out right but it just loses and that's no different I, i always use the poker analogies you can get your money in good and guess what you can still lose because the probability or the the numbers don't come in and they hit the two outer or the four outer on the river. And that's the, that's the part of gambling and same with the sports. And you have to look at the turnovers and you have to look at how th- an injury that happened during a game. And you can make all the arguments right side or wrong side, but try to evaluate in a positive way to, um, and a realistic look at how you're handicapping and looking at the games and then kind of break down. And that's why I use all these box scores and I try to go back through and yeah, it's frustrating when you seemingly have the right side and it plays out how you expected, but you lost, but, um, that that's part of it. The other is the comment on the sharp sharp means, um, Sharps comes from the term that the people are sharpening the number. For example, if you bet on a total and you bet over 46 and it ultimately closes 50, the guys that were sharp were the guys that sharpened that number for the sports book and they moved it from 46 to 47 to 48. You're not so sharp if you're betting it at 50. That doesn't mean it's the wrong side because you might have made your number and it was 49 or 50 to start and or you've evaluated some other things late in the week that still drive the number. Oftentimes at this time of year, you're going to see the weather is going to impact 
and you're going to see um, the lines, uh, the totals move down because of weather more impacting, not necessarily the matchups. And so you've got to look at all of those things when you're evaluating. But I guess back to the topic, right side or wrong side will always be argued and, and uh, I guess debated on what side. And I think is a better you have to look realistically on how you're coming up with your plays and how you're looking at them, evaluating and then look at the statistical breakdown and yeah. determine determine that yeah, I mean like you like you I go back and I review every single week like every single one of my bets and and go through and 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 take a look at whether I felt I handicapped a game wrong like I don't necessarily that if I don't know if there's a right side or wrong side as it is just I was wrong in the way that I handicapped the game like I thought the game was going to play out a different way and so I don't know if there's a right side or wrong side of a number or if I'm just I was just incredibly wrong on the way that a game played out. I mean, going back to this Patriots Eagles game and Captain Clown Shoes coming at me and saying that that I was on the wrong side. And as you mentioned, so the Patriots, right, they had in this game more total plays, more total yards, more yards per play, more passing yards, uh, fewer penalties, and also had fewer turnovers. So if you're going to tell me that I'm on the wrong side when literally nearly every single statistical category that matters is in favor of the team that won, then, then tell, tell, tell me exactly then, uh, Captain Clown Shoes, how I was on the wrong side of the bet. And so, you know, all these people just want to point their fingers and say, oh, yeah, wrong side, when it was really all it was was the game didn't play out how you thought. And so now you're now you're now you're kind of like lashing out here. Brett, sorry that we talked for five to eight minutes on this com- on this without letting you uh, chime in here. But uh, by, by all means, t- go ahead. Well, no, it's a very interesting topic, and I try not I try not to get too caught up in it because we're working with a one game sample. Like the majority of the time, the final scoreboard isn't going to tell the whole story. The box score isn't going to tell the whole story. I mean, how the, the underlying numbers and analytics don't tell the whole story because it's it's 60 minutes of football. If we could run a game through 10,000 simulations, then, yeah, we're far more able to say that the Patriots were absolutely the right side over the Eagles at this number or the other way around. But these are human beings on a football field for one day. And there are so many different variables that are either random or completely unpredictive that compound in these small samples, like a missed extra point or a botched call by a referee. These are things that impact every game. And and we're working with such small edges against the books that most of the time it's near impossible to say whether one side was correct and the other wasn't. And that was certainly the case, in my opinion, of the Patriots game on Sunday. I don't know which side was the right side because we only have that 60 minute sample. And it was pretty close in my eyes. And if you could look at like the Texans, uh, the Texans Ravens game from last week and say, OK, the Ravens were obviously the right side. And I, I agree with you. The Ravens were better. They deserved to cover, but they were better on that day. Like if you ran that game back this week and you take public action out of it, how do the books cap this game? It's not going to be Ravens minus 34. It's going to be maybe a point higher at most than last week because the sample's too small to say that the Ravens are that much better over the long term than Houston. So the right side versus wrong side stuff is kind of ridiculous to me. I, you know, I look at teams and coaches and player performances over as large a data set that makes sense because because that's all you can really do. But the most important thing really is just getting the best possible number. Right. If you want to beat the books and, and that's, that's in that, and that is it. And right. And like, that's, that's why like most betters and this, this goes back to kind of what we were talking about b- b- before, uh, even last week when we brought up the deal, like, you know, right side, wrong side, this really applies to about 
two to three percent of betters out there because they're the only people who are looking at these games, you know, as the lines are released and as the lines are kind of moving throughout the course of the week with the first injury reports that come out on Wednesday, the second injury updates that come out on Thursday and stuff like most of the time, most of these people are just betting like closing line stuff. Well, you know, that's not my style. That's not Jay's style. That's not your style. Like I'm, I'm betting early in the week when I feel like that uh, a line might be going to move against me, right? When I'm leaning towards the side pretty heavily. I think there's no better example than, um, you know, I told you guys last week, the, whenever we were running through the week, week ahead, look, look ahead. um, I told you guys that I had the Cardinals in my account. I got the Cardinals in my account at 13, right? And, um, and, you know, I jumped on it early. I thought that that line was too high. It was what it was. Well, that is a classic case of yes. of of having to get the the right number there because if you were holding the nine and a half ticket where this thing closed at a lot of books, Jay, you're sitting there and and you're wanting to jump off a bridge, you know, because of the way that played out. You had the right side in that case, <laughs> um, and yeah, you just got a brutal ending there to to uh, get it to ten. But um, the other thing is just to comment on the right side. You, you you must always, and I I can't stress this enough, is you just have to be willing to change your opinion and change your not your approach but you have to be able to change with what's happening weekly because of injuries we've uh, we've we've got what I think we've had 15 backup start backup quarterbacks now that have been at starters this season you have to be able to change your opinion because we all go back to early in the season the Dolphins were arguably you know in the past decade plus for sure we were saying this is the worst team and the worst talent we have seen and i'll hear it over and over i will never bet on we're never put a betting on the dolphins we're never putting them in a contest again we're never playing them and then they rattle off five straight covers mm-hmm. i mean five straight they win you've got a team like the cincinnati bengals who now are bad, so bad and winless and i commented over and over that they, they just are not going to win running the ball 18 times a game for 60 yards a game worse than the league and then you look at season-long stats and now you have to adjust. Guess what? The Bengals last two weeks, they've rushed for over 150 yards, 173 last right. week. And so the, the the coordinator's changing the approach. We saw that with the Vikings going run heavy. You have to be able to try to get information and look at things every single week and evaluate and then break down the matchups and obviously get the best numbers as you can and evaluate what you think is the value in the number and, and bet accordingly. But there's no answer. The turnovers play such an important part. You can't handicap those. You got kickoff returns and putt returns that you maybe don't handicap those. And yeah. That's part of the part of the game and part of the gambling and part of the way it goes. And you have to be willing to understand and take those beats as well. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, to kind of put a bow on this and Brett, I think you would also also agree with this and you and I have a pretty good debate every every Friday on the, the the various games and stuff but I think you also have to be able to have to be able to to open your mind and you have to be able to uh, not only accept criticism but be be self-critical as well and you know you were you were completely right on the on the the Patriots against the Ravens and you said that they were not going to be able to to contain Lamar Jackson. And, um, that was something that certainly played into the way that I looked, you know, more, more so at the, at the Ravens team moving forward, but even the Patriots team in general. And so like, I'm the reason I've been able to have success in gambling for as long as I have. And the only reason that I'm able to gamble as high as I do and, 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 you know, put the type of money in play that I have is that, you know, I play a role on, you know, on this podcast and I play a bit on Twitter and things like that, but like, I'm not so cocky and I'm not so set in my ways that I'm going to sit back and, 
and allow myself to fall into traps and ruts that's going to cost me money over the long term here because that's just I'm not in this, uh, you know, I, I am in that that, you know, that population of people that I'm not in this for for fun. It is fun to me, but I'm in this to make money like I I've I like the money that I make out of it. I like to go buy things with the money that I make out of it. I use it as like, you know, my play money, my 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 money that I'm able to go and, and take trips and vacations and stuff like that. And so I don't make money doing this and then I don't get to do that stuff that I like to do. And so, you know, I'm. I'm evaluating, I'm self-evaluating, I'm changing how I look at things, I'm changing how I go about my process all the time, constantly. And so for this whole right side, wrong side, and, you know, whatever, and getting in this way, where it seems like everybody wants to get cute and always bet against the Patriots because, like, that's the cool thing to do. And, you know, we talk about it all the time. Is like this, you know, you you fancy play syndrome in poker. I think there's fancy play syndrome in, in sports betting as well. And, Brett, you've accused yourself of that on, uh, from time to time. And I think as long as we're all aware aware of where our deficiencies and shortcomings are, then we can, then you can become better and, and, and stay better and not have to point fingers at people. Yeah. We're not only learning more and more about these teams every week. I'm learning how to bet every single week, week based on what I, you know, I'm seeing uh, and just, just having action in, and seeing how, you know, the market adjusts to different things. Like if you want to beat the book uh, and more importantly, beat the market, really, that's the most important thing. If, if you want to be you know, quote unquote sharp, y- you have to make these adjustments and, and kind of learn as you go and, and uh, be critical of yourself and, and change. Absolutely. Um, all right, guys. So let's look ahead to week 12 here. Uh, there are this is an interesting week for me. I on first glance, when Brett and I were looking through this as the early lines uh podcast and and video that we do early in the week. I didn't know if this was going to be a card that I was going to end up getting much action down on. And then here I sit and uh, I've actually got a few different bets already in my account this week. Jay, let's start with you. Is there any, uh, are there any bets that are already in your account here, here in week 12? Yeah, I often talk about underdogs, and I'll mention that uh, I am playing the Jets this week against the Raiders. But let me go to a favorite that I've got coming off a bye this week, and I've laid three with the Tennessee Titans. Um, You're starting to see some minus 120s. There are a few three-and-a-halves popping up. But when I go through my um, evaluation and I use my rushing numbers and guidelines, this is one of the games this week that I think is going to have a good size edge Good enough, not like Monster Edge, like the Ravens have had in recent weeks right. or some of their opponents, but a, a good a good enough size edge over the Jacksonville Jaguars to warrant this. The Jags got absolutely run over at the point of attack last week, giving up 264 rushing yards. And Titans, we already know, have been a run run heavier team. And now with Tannehill, they're able to balance it out a little bit more, and he's playing better at the quarterback position. So I made the case that here that the Titans off the bye um, are going to – be able to control the line of scrimmage, probably have more clock possession time and be able to balance the attack enough where I think they're going to win this game. And And I use a lot of numbers that if you win, you often cover if it's a competitively line game of six or less. And I think in this case, the Jaguars just uh, are starting to show signs. Last week, not only did they give up, and certainly when they fall behind, they get out of your game plan and they're not going to run the ball as much, but they only ran the ball nine times last week for 29 yards. And if that's anywhere, just anywhere close to that this week with the Titans who are again the team that's going to rely more on the ground game and balance it out I think they're going to have a tough time again this week division game Tennessee off a bye I play the Titans this week 
Brett, I a game that you and I kind of talked about earlier in the week, and I ended up getting down on it, but not necessarily on a, a side like I had talked, like we had talked about. But I dug in a little bit further on this Bills, uh, on this Bills and Broncos game, and the more I kind of looked into this, and you, you've talked about as as happy as you are for your Bills team, that that you still feel like this defense is a little bit overrated, and that you certainly feel like that this uh, that this team is is you know vulnerable and leaky in certain spots here. And I actually started looking at this Denver team and what they've done with Allen under center here, and they're not completely inept and nutless, and so. When this thing bottomed out at 37, um, I went ahead and jumped on the over in this game. I think that the Bills are going to be able to score on the Broncos. I think the Broncos are going to be able to score on the Bills. And, you know, shortly after I got that, I think about 12 hours later, this thing got as high as 38 and a half. Now, there's been some buyback now and it's back down to 37 and a half. But um, I, I think that, you know, look, Josh Allen's going to have some success against this Denver team. Denver's going to have some success against Buffalo. And when we kind of look at this game overall, I mean, 37 points, I need 37 points here. I, I think that this is uh, a game that I would weirdly think, I think this thing could go over by like 10 points. Oh, wow. Oh, well, certainly you've got two quarterbacks that are turnover prone. And so you could certainly, you could get points that way. Alone. And that was the other uh, thing, right? Yeah. I mean, the other thing is there, there might be some short field situations in this game, especially, I mean, it's going to be windy. It's always windy down there this time of year. We're probably looking at like 15 mile, maybe even 20 mile per hour winds, higher gusts. So, I mean, that's, that's Josh Allen and Brandon Allen flinging the rock around <laughs> in those conditions. You're always going to have uh, opportunities if you're a defense and that, all that does is create better field position and potentially uh, touchdowns to, you know, to, to compile some points. So uh, I, I don't, I don't know how the bills, honestly, are going to move the football in this game. I can see the the Broncos uh, running the football and having success. I, as crazy as it sounds, I think the Broncos are a better team. So I, I certainly like the, the Broncos as a side, but um, I, I can see this going over just from opportunities uh, from turnovers. I, I think that's right. That's a good bet. Yeah. And the other I got in my – oh, yeah, go ahead, Jay. I just wanted to comment on one thing outside of statistics and maybe Brett can lend some insight. Over the years as I've handicapped, and I don't have – I can't give you definitive numbers. It's just something I've noted. Um, Playing up in Buffalo and playing at Ralph Wilson Stadium is very underrated. It's one of the toughest – stadiums to go play in. And when I, I've always said this, I, I definitely will not play Denver this week. And that's not to say they won't win or be the right side. And I haven't made a bet on this. And I definitely agree that Buffalo is, uh, you know, for their record, their statistical profile and things don't quite match up. And they've, they've had a number of wins against uh, teams that have no, less winning, not winning records. And they're taking advantage maybe of a softer schedule, but then so is New England. But my comment is that what I look for when a team's going to Buffalo is not only the the weather conditions now that's going to be near freezing temps and windy, but a young quarterback, a rookie quarterback, a, a quarterback that has not played in this environment before. It's very difficult. And I, I, uh, you can't handicap turnovers. You can't handicap, you know, how our team's going to certain players going to perform. But I've always thought that if I can get a team, even in a, even a quarterback, maybe that's been a first year now in his second year, but hasn't played in the stadium before and played in this environment before it's difficult. It's very difficult. And so I, 
oftentimes will find myself playing the Bills, even when they are were not very good teams in the last many years. And now this year, I think their defense is certainly good enough. And yeah, Denver showed well. But remember, this is back-to-back games. They lost the way they lost last week. They were good enough to get ahead of the Vikings by 20 at halftime. But the way they lost, this is I think this is a tough spot for or for Denver this week and their young quarterback to go in. You are playing the Jets this week, as am I, though, not play. I have them in a teaser with the Seahawks, so um, I have the Jets as well as home home dogs to the Raiders. I think that they are going to have uh, – I think – so we've seen this with Darnold, right? And we see this with a lot of middling quarterbacks is just – Darnold has played well against bad defenses and has played really poorly against good defenses. Well, the Raiders have a bad defense, and so I expect Darnold to be at least somewhat competent in this game and be able to keep this game within, you know, I got eight and a half, you know, plus eight and a half on the Jets. And so um, I I feel pretty good about that. And this Seahawks team, I'm just doing some speculating here with this Eagles squad, and they are pretty damn beat up. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey still practicing on the side of the field. Jordan uh, Jordan Howard not cleared for contact, and now then Nelson Aguilar popped up on the injury report as well. And we just saw, you know, of course the Seahawks team this doesn't have a defense near as good as the Patriots does, but, uh, you know, Carson Wentz, when he has no weapons to throw to, like, whatsoever, it, it I mean, this, this offense is toothless, and so I, I went ahead and took the Seahawks up to over a touchdown in that one, and then finally, the other thing that is in my account already um, this week is I went ahead and speculated on the Packers at three here because I feel like this thing is going to be severely on the move when George Kittle and Manny Sanders officially get ruled out of this game. I, again, I'm playing doctor and this was only for a smaller stake than I normally bet here. But um, I, I reading the kind of between the lines here when Shanahan says that all four like Brett, when Shanahan comes out and says when all four are game time decisions and said, quote unquote, is going to come down to the wire then all four of these dudes that are, you know, big time playmakers for this 49ers team, you have to think that at least half of them don't play. I mean, you normally don't go four for four playing when he says it's going to come down to the wire. I agree. And those are four big time players. As we've seen the last two weeks, the Niners have struggled without these guys in the lineup. So, uh, yeah, if, if I mean, I know you don't I know you don't like to, to play doctor, but I, I think it's a good read uh, given what we've seen uh so far in the in the practice reports, I don't think Kittle's going to play, and Mandy Sand Mandy Sanders could play, but he's going to be nowhere near 100. Yeah, and, so. and, and, and with that being the Sunday night game as well, my thought is is like, look, if if it comes out that these guys aren't going to play, this thing is going to shift to Packers. I mean, this thing might go all the way to a pick, and it wouldn't even surprise me if it if it flew all the way you know through to like a one or something because there's just all the all the betting attention is going to be shifted to that game, and uh, you know you tell you tell the public that the forty. Niners have no weapons with um, with Aaron Rodgers coming to town. I think that line would be on the move and on the move quickly. So I, you know, tried to get out in front of it. Who knows? Maybe all four of them play and I, I get a horrible side on this. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I some I, I played doctor and it's, and it's one for me before and I played doctor and I've gotten burned. So uh, hopefully I don't get burned this time. No, but I think, uh, you know, looking just looking at the, how the market is going to shift like that is a good lesson for people out there who don't think about it. Just getting ahead of it. And even if it is, a you know, there's certainly some gambling in it. Just, you know, having a read and going with it is, is pretty sharp in this play. One other comment on the line moves is, you know, part of what saved me from uh, I lost last week. But part of what saved me was teaser bets again. Mm-hmm. Um, we managed to tease the Bears and tease the Eagles up and um, the. 
what your comment on the Seahawks, for example, if you like Seattle and you see that line's two and a half, two coming down, you know, you still have the ability to tease that up above the key numbers, even at one and a half to get it up above seven. And that's really important. And as you talk about these other games, there are three uh, that could potentially flip. If you can anticipate that and see the injuries and feel that, okay, the line's going to move a little bit more or look at some of the sites that are tracking the percentage of bets and anticipate or, or understand that here's where the line's going to move. If I'm going to play teasers, especially, which we're finding is a better way to get your, you know, so these games are yeah. uh, landing. That's that's uh, how you take advantage of the getting the better number because one and a half to two, two and a half maybe on the point spread for Seattle isn't going to make as big a difference, but on a teaser, certainly the impact in, in a late game situation, for example, like the Bears last week, that was all the difference in covering the entire way and then a late Rams touchdown and potentially the, uh, the, the, the turnover on downs that could have potentially cost you, but you get the, you get the number you want in the teaser. Let's talk about these last two marquee games and then get out of here. We won't spend too much time on them. But the Cowboys and Patriots, which is basically an island game, the NFL blessed us with only two afternoon games. What in the hell is going on, NFL? I mean, move one of the games to the afternoon. Wow, yes. I have four TVs for a reason. I mean, like, don't, I mean, two two games. And of course, one of those games is Jags Titans. So this Cowboys Patriots game is basically an island game. And Brett, I can only imagine the handle on this game of people starting their chase even earlier than normal. I, I think this line could be crazy on the move as we as people start to realize in these early games that they're going to lose their bets. There's going to be so much <laughs> handle on this game. It's going to be insane. And and it's a game that I, I don't know what to do with. Like the number looks too high, but it always looks too high with the Patriots. I fall into this trap all the time. And I, 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 we still don't know what's going on with Amari Cooper. That's going to be really a big factor in, in how right. I, I lean in this game. As we, t- we talked about that on Tuesday. But, man, I, I honestly don't know what to do with this game as of right now. Jay, this thing, I, it would not surprise me, depending on how injury news comes out and how, like, the morning games go, especially if it's like a bloodbath for the, uh, for the public out there. I mean, this game could move a full point, point and a half in in any direction. I have no idea which direction, but I mean, it it would not surprise me to see this game move that incredibly much when it's basically the only afternoon game people are going to turn their attention to. Yeah, this is going to be a big, big (laughs) handle and a big decision for the sports books. Uh, Probably second of the week, though, behind the Monday night game that we'll we'll talk about. But I haven't played this and um uh, yeah, back to the Patriots. They they've found a way, and their defensive strength, I think, here. I I think. Uh, let me double check the total on this. I know I know the Patriots are taking a higher percentage of the the uh, bets, and we see this at uh, DraftKings, maybe upwards of sixty offshore, and you're seeing a lot of the market showing more than sixty percent of the spread bets on New England here, which is lane six and a half. But let me double check that total. It's actually come down, correct? From I think it had opened forty six, forty six and a half, forty seven. It's down to forty five five and a half in places. And I, again, back to the Cowboys, this is a huge, pretty big coaching situation, a matchup uh, favoring the Patriots as well. And we haven't seen the Cowboys be able to beat a winning team yet. Um, They beat the, uh, Eagles is their best win, but they've just not been able to get it done against the better teams. And so I, I don't have a position yet, but you definitely want to watch the injuries, like you said, and make a decision. Yeah, I think it would be. Brett, I think it would be a situation where if we get a good inkling that Amari's not going to go and then Gilmore basically locks up Gallup and at that point, then the Cowboys have to try to get this done with with just Zeke and Randall Cobb. Um, 
I don't know if I would pull the trigger on the Patriots and that might be too late because at that point it might all be all the way through the seven to like seven yeah, and a half at will, that point. But, you be. know, it, it's uh, it might be too late to pull the trigger on them. And then at that point, but uh, I think it certainly shifts how I view this game. It's crazy to think that just one player tilts it so much. But when you give Bill Belichick a clear blueprint as to how to scheme for you, it's just more times than not he's just able to do it you know I mean he's just friggin able to do it so often and so without Amari out there and then you know then all you got to do is remove Gallup and basically say beat us with an old ass Randall Kai I don't know man it's 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 tough for me to it's tough for me to get there you know yeah, and we saw what this offense looked like before they brought Amari in. That's why they brought right, Amari in. Right, so, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this, this line should move through seven uh, if he's rolled out. And finally, the Monday night game, which again, as as you mentioned, uh, Jay, is going to take just a massive amount of money here, and rightfully so, is this Ravens-Rams game. The Ravens at DraftKings are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Over on FanDuel, this has now moved to three, so a um, little bit of money coming in over there but you know let's take a look at at how this really breaks down Lamar Jackson has been so incredibly dynamic but I dug into this game a little bit last night I will continue to dig in a little bit more but what I continue to find is this Rams defense actually matches up fairly well with Lamar Jackson now that doesn't necessarily mean I think that I want to take a side in this game but when we look at this total here sitting at 46 and a half, I don't know if this, because we know kind of how inept the, the Rams offense has been as of late. I started to lean towards an under look in this game. Curious as to y'all's thoughts on this, but this Rams team, when you look at kind of their front four and the linebacker situation there, it's it it started to make sense for me that maybe they are actually one of the few teams in the league that are built to no one's going to shut Lamar Jackson down, but maybe deal with Lamar Jackson a little bit better than other teams have been able to. I'll comment that uh, again, there's a few ways you, you look at a total. It has come down. You're not getting the best number, but if you evaluate, you can still play it first half. You can look at 23 that potentially could come down another half, but um, I agree with you. I've, I've worked the numbers and the, the run, Rams run defense is solid. They're um, gonna, probably going to have more success containing them to a, to a sense. I, I definitely know that I, I, I'm not going to play the Ravens here, even though the rushing numbers might supposedly play out accordingly. Not not as nearly as dynamic as they have for recent weeks. You're, you're really betting against the freight train here that is really playing well, the Ravens. And um, the look ahead here was one. Now it's three. And the Rams, I think uh, you're on the, the right situation here. Maybe the total is a better look because the Ravens defense has been playing better. And I'll tell you, I, I did some numbers on Goff. It's just uh, they don't trust him. Last week, uh, they ran the ball, uh, I think, 34. They only ran, I think, 52 plays, snaps offensively in the game. And 34 were running plays. They didn't have the confidence. He had, I think, around 110 yards passing until that last drive against the Bears when they moved it down and he had a little more success. But they are he's really struggling. He's not able to um, – and he's got the receiver weapons. He's just not able to get it done. So I think the under is the better look. Um, like I said, I'm still debating whether I'm going to pull it on the Rams, but my numbers on the rushing probably and, and, and the way Jackson's getting it done is going to make it tough. 
Brett, the you know most most run heavy team in the league with the Ravens, and this Ravens defense has actually started to play much much better when they traded for Marcus Peters and then got Jimmy Smith back and were able to move Marlon Humphrey over into the slot. Now you have one of the better corner trios in all of the league here, and you've seen this Ravens defense really start to shut some of these teams down, and I don't have an incredible amount of confidence in Jared Goff and the Rams to put up a lot of points on this Ravens team. And if even if the Ravens do find some success here, as Jay mentioned, it's probably going to be on the ground, and that keeps the clock running a lot. I don't know. There was just a lot of things that were kind of pointing me towards the under here. Yeah, I can see it getting there. I will say that this Monday Night Football game is one of my favorites of the year for a side. The public perception on the Rams week to week is so volatile that there are spots to both fade them and back them week to week. And on top of that, the narratives behind this Ravens team right now, like Lamar Jackson, MVP and the, you know, the six game winning streak behind the resurgence of this defense, that's driving so much action on Baltimore this week. Meanwhile, nobody is talking about the Rams and you've got golf back at home against a team that has struggled rushing the passer this week. And we know what happens when golf's under pressure. He that's, that's where he is awful. It's, I don't know if he's going to be under that pressure this week. And plus he gets cooks and woods back this week. This defense, like you said, Matt, is is extremely underrated. I, I love this spot for the Rams, especially if you can get it at three and a half. And, you know, at, like you said, that, that's where it is at DraftKings right now. So uh, this is one of my favorite games of the week and maybe the year. I like it. Uh, is this a little foreshadowing maybe to your must make for tomorrow's? Uh, we will be for, talking for, about this game for tomorrow. For tomorrow's, for sure. yeah, for tomorrow's podcast. So a uh, little bit of foreshadowing here for this one, guys. But um as always, thanks for listening. We really do appreciate it. Of course, all of Jay's work can be found over at thelines.com. So please go ahead and head over there. Take a look at all the upgrades. We continue to upgrade the lines each and every single week here. So uh, continuing to make this odds feed a lot better, incorporating more books as well, more states. So you can kind of take a look across the country and see how these lines are taking shape even if there's any regional bias that is going on as well so be sure and take advantage of that and of course if you're going to play at any of these books go to play picks go to the lines take advantage of all of the offers that we have at all the sports books we really do have the very best ones that are possibly available to you and so if you're going to play Take the sports books money. Let them give you free bets and free and risk free bets and deposit bonuses and match bonuses and all of these things like that, because we have such a little edge on these guys as it is to begin with. So if they're going to start us off with uh, some sort of edge, you certainly need to take advantage of that. So be sure and do that before you sign up at any of these places. Make the lines and play picks your first stop whenever you get going for that. Guys, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, go and subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on Twitter at PlayPicksUS at TheLinesUS. For Brett, for Jay, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.